And it's a pleasure and a privilege to be sharing God's Word with you again this morning, especially if you're a visitor with us today. I pray that you are blessed by the message. And we'll be looking at something related to mothers. Um, and so we'll turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. We'll be reading this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Um, those of you who've been coming regularly understand that I've been going through a series on the promises of God. And so um, sometimes things line up, things work out. And so we're looking at a promise today, but also something that's related to mothers. So we'll pray, we'll pray that the Lord uh, blesses us with uh, his words today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live, live long on the earth. Let's, uh, let's commit this time to him now and, uh, and let's ask for his blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can trust every syllable in it. And we pray that you would bless us now with your Holy Spirit, who will teach us, Lord, uh, your ways. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Give us the grace that we need, Heavenly Father, to be able to not only understand what we here today and what I speak today, but Father, that we would take these things in and understand how we are to live them every day. Mm -hmm. So we thank you for this blessed time. We thank you that we, as we can come before your throne now and learn from you, Heavenly Father, that you would simply use me as an instrument in your hand, that you might be glorified and that the name of our Saviour would be lifted up in this place this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, a mother was trying to teach her child, her young son, um, the importance or the and how God actually makes people good. How it's actually God who makes people good. And looking at his mum and realising how much of a wonderful effect she had on him, turned to her and said, yes, but mothers help a lot, aren't they? Yes, mothers do help a lot. And God works through mothers. Um, over the past couple of months, as I've, as I've shared already, um, we've been looking at the promises of God and how, how God is the ultimate promise keeper. He is the one, when he makes a promise, you can rest assured, he has not only the desire to fulfill that promise, but he has the wherewithal, he has the ability to be able to fulfill his promises and no one can stop him. He is the perfectly dependable one. And what he has given to us, is the result of those promises. What we have this morning and what we, what we can sit here and celebrate this morning is because he kept his promise. His promise to send a saviour into the world. And so he sent his only begotten son into this world to save us. And that's why we can sit here this morning and celebrate him. We can gather and rejoice because we are the beneficiaries of his kept promises. And as we look at and continue to look at the promises of God, today I want to narrowly focus on a particular promise which is linked with a law, with a command, which is rare. And it's specifically looking at this law of honouring thy father and thy mother. Uh, you, you may have noticed in the, um, in the news, if you watch the news and if you're watching COVID, obviously, over the last year and a half, um, you'll notice that there's particular groups of people um, who have received extra recognition during this time. So you'll notice that nurses um, have received a lot of attention and recognition for the hard work they've done, especially during peak times when they've struggled. Um, nurses in, in nursing homes and nurses in hospitals, 
um, doctors and people who are working in the front lines of, of uh, during this pandemic. And that's actually good. It's good to recognise people and to remember the hard work that they do, sometimes in very difficult circumstances. Um, uh, having worked in the cleaning industry for the first time, I'm seeing cleaners actually being recognised for the work that they do. Often they're, they're working in the background, no one cares about what they do, but in the middle of a pandemic, um, if your place isn't clean, it's going to affect you. So people are treating cleaners with a bit more, um, a bit more affection these days as well. So a lot of people received and been receiving extra attention and recognition, um, and that's good. That's good. It's a good thing to recognise those who mostly go unheralded, who do hard work but aren't really recognised, and other people get recognised. But for every group that you recognise, there are plenty of other ones who don't get recognised. So you can never actually catch up with all of that. But appreciation during momentous times, during important times, only often lasts for a little while. Maybe the, the, you know, the nurses and, and the cleaners might get extra attention now, but in a year or two, you know, when the pandemic is gone, once again, people sort of fall back and sort of forget about the work that they do. But honouring uh, mothers, and mothers, our mothers specifically, shouldn't be limited to one momentous time or one time during the year. You understand that, don't you? That even though we, we celebrate Mother's Day today, or the world celebrates Mother's Day, this is not a big, it's not in the Bible, Mother's Day, um, but we don't say there's anything wrong with it. It's actually a good thing to be honouring mothers, but it shouldn't be limited to just one time in the year. Honouring mothers is considered so important to God that he made it one of his 10 most important commands in the Bible. You like that? to honour your mother. So Exodus 20, 12 says, Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This command, in fact, having made it to the top ten, remember when there used to be songs that were top ten? They don't do that anymore, do they? No. There was a top ten songs when I was growing up, but... I don't know, maybe I've lost track of, of music anyway. Anyway, so the command is so important to God that not only places it in the top ten commands, the most important commands that he wants all the world to understand and to follow, but he put it directly after the first four. And the first four commands, most of you understand, deal with our relationship with him. He is the only God. We are to make no other idols before him. Do you understand? So those commands, the first four commands out of the ten deal with God. The last five deal with our interaction with each other. So you understand? So when it says do not steal, do not kill, do not lie, do not commit adultery, all those things, they actually are the way we interact with each other. But the first four are specifically, not to take his name in vain, keep the Sabbath holy. But then there's Honour thy father and thy mother, sitting right after the first four, after the ones where we are to honour him as God. He says, now, you've honoured me. This is the ones you're supposed to. These are the first four. You honour me with these. The very next one is honour your mother and your father. That's how highly he puts honouring your parents. That's how highly he rates it. And this, I suppose, is because parents hold such a crucial uh, position or play such a critical role in demonstrating the character of God to their children. You see, 
children grow not having and uh, having the concept of God. They start and they begin to learn by what they see and by what they hear. And who are they seeing first and foremost? They see their mum and their dad. And what they do is they learn about character from their mum and their dad. And so as their parents may start to teach them about God and who he is, the first thing they get a picture of how God is, is from mum and dad. So parents play an absolutely crucial role because a child needs to learn what type of character God is. And so mothers play a specific role in that because historically, mothers have been with their children way more than fathers. The fathers over, over the last five, 6,000 years have been the ones to go out in the field in the morning, right? And it was the mothers before, um, before you know, state school systems came into play, which is very recent. The mothers were the ones who taught their children. So mothers for thousands and thousands of years and still today are important because they teach their children. Mothers still teach their children more than their fathers, I think. They spend more time. But children grow, as they're growing and their minds are developing and they're learning concepts, learn the first concept of who God is from their mum. Let me explain a little bit further. When God created Adam and Eve, he chose to create mankind in whose image? In his own. Man is unique from every other created being in this universe. Even the angels. We are absolutely unique. Because God did not create the angels in his own image. He created us in his image. And I shared this with a gentleman uh, yesterday with the uh, men's teaching and some, and some of the, these things, the concepts that we spoke about yesterday are, are going to come in this uh, particular sermon. But we have been created in God's image. And we know that God has revealed himself as a trinity, right? He is three persons in one. And even to that extent, he created us tripartite beings as well, which means God created us with three parts that make us human. Angels are spirits. They don't have physical bodies like we do. We have a soul, a spirit, and a body and flesh. The angels don't. Angels are spirit beings. We are three. And that three, those three make us one and a complete being. You see, when you when you pass away, and the Bible says that we are with the Lord, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is not our natural state. That is a temporary state to be without a body. And that's why in the end, the Bible says God will give us a new body because we are not complete beings without having a body. But turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 because I want to share something very important with you because from the very beginning, God has made this particular thing so that we bear the image of God and that is a very important concept to understand. And I'm linking this with the way mothers and fathers present that image to their children as they grow. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So God is speaking here, and you'll notice that he's plural. When he speaks, he speaks in plural. And he says, and God said, that's one, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Both male, both male and female bear the image of God. And you'll notice interesting phrases in there where God says, let us make man. He speaks of himself from a pluralistic point of view. Well, that's true because Father, Son and Holy Spirit are able to, to speak pluralistically. There are not multiple gods, but there is one because it says, let us make man in our image. And then verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. God is one. But look at verse 28. It says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So as the image bearers of God, we were given dominion of this world, the rule over it. And we were called to be the stewards of it. And that began in a very unique place. You see, God put them in a very unique position. He planted a garden. Yeah, that, that lovely song we just sang, he walks with me and he talks with me. Well, that's literally what happened in that garden. God planted a garden. He put them both in there. And then he walked with them. Literally. Because when they fell, you remember, they could hear his footsteps coming along. And they hid. He walked with them in physical form. That's what we call a pre-incarnate Christ. But it was a unique position that they had. He plants a garden, and imagine how that beautiful that garden would have been. I can't imagine. I've seen some beautiful gardens around, but can you imagine the garden that God plants himself? would have been absolutely unbelievable. But it would be a place where they would learn from him, where they would walk with him, talk with him, be with him. And you need to understand something. Adam and Eve were not, their heads weren't filled with complete knowledge. The Bible says they were innocent like children, but they didn't know everything. So God was going to now teach them his character. Look at, turn to chapter 2, verse 15. So he put them into a garden, a place where they could be together, a place that was safe. And he said in verse chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden. And that's what he said. He said to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So, so there's a, a beautifully big garden and God puts Adam in there. And then along with his wife, who came later, he says to them, I want you to keep this garden. I want you to look after it. So the first job was gardening. Okay, the first job ever were gardeners. Okay, and this wasn't difficult gardening because the Bible says there were no thorns, no weeds, no, there wasn't, everything just grew beautifully. And so to tend a garden like that probably would have been an absolute joy. Didn't have to water it. No, the water actually came up from the ground. You're, you're spot on. They didn't have to water it either. So our parents were given a wonderful gift, a perfect environment, a beautiful garden, a place to be with God, but also a responsibility. 
they were given responsibility. A responsibility to dress a garden and to keep it. And as such, they were the stewards of the world. A steward is someone who looks after something on someone else's behalf. Okay? If you've given something and you have to care for it. I shared this example with, uh, with the, the men in the, uh, the men's uh, uh, meeting yesterday. And it's a bit like, you know, if someone has a jet fighter, a jet fighter costs about a billion dollars, right? And then they entrust you to fly that particular plane. Um, you want to make sure you fly it properly. Okay. And you don't get crashing into the side of a mountain. Well, that's what Adam and Eve were given. They were given something absolutely beautiful and priceless, and God said, I want you to take care of it. We were the stewards of the world. And as we discussed in the men's group yesterday, we were created for the glory of God. That is the reason that you are here. That's the reason you were created. That's the purpose for every one of us to glorify God in our lives. We were created for his glory. And being the image bearers of God actually reflects that even more. That through us, God was glorified. Turn with me just for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I want to share just two, two scripture verses with you this morning to help you to understand that we were created in the image of God. We were given a priceless gift. We were made stewards of that gift. We were made responsible for that gift. And so the purpose that we were created for was to glorify God through our stewardship. And that's why 1 Corinthians 10.31 still tells us today, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all for the glory of God. That's the purpose that we were created for. Isaiah 43.7, if you just want to write that one down, says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. We have all been created for God's glory. And now, did our first parents succeed in their stewardship? No, they failed. They were given responsibility for something. God says one thing. I want you to take care of this whole garden. I want you, you've got your responsibility of the whole world. I'm going to give you dominion over the whole planet. And I want you to manage it for me. But it starts off with this garden. All right? And then I have one thing not to do. And that's the very thing that they did. Our first parents failed in their stewardship when they disobeyed the Lord. And as a consequence, they lost their lives. They lost their garden. They lost their perfect relationship with God. They lost their dominion of the world. Because the Bible says that Satan is the God of the world. Everything from that point would look distorted to them as they tried to deal with and struggle with their fallen nature, which was now dragging them away from God. And they would pass that fallen nature on to their children, and then they would pass it on to their children, while also trying to battle an invisible enemy, hell-bent on causing them to degrade themselves as much as possible so that, so that God's glory could be corrupted. God... God's perfect image built into man was defaced from the beginning. We no longer looked like God. 
We no longer bore his character. We no longer did those things which were glorifying to God. And our image, as a, the Bible actually says that the devil managed to corrupt mankind so much that he was able to deface the image of God in man so much that God had to destroy the world completely with a flood at one stage because it was so filled with evil and violence. The devil's done a, quite a job. But we were created in his image and designed to worship and glorify him. And every person in the world knows that. Every person in the world, regardless of whether they worship God, are worshipping something. They're glorifying something. <coughs> they can't help it because it's built into us to glory, to actually worship. And so people naturally worship, but because of our fallen nature, they worship other things. And so we were created for his, in his image, designed to worship and glorify him, but we became slaves to our sin, which robbed him of his glory, defaced the perfect image in us. And that's why the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person has robbed him of his glory one way or the other. Sin robs God of his glory because it is not fit that those created in his image should act contrary to his character or his will. But despite our fallenness, despite our sin, despite our rebellion and the, the mess we got ourselves into, the Bible says he didn't give up on us. He loved us and sent his only begotten son to save us. And God gave us laws. And you might think those laws are harsh or they're too lofty for us. But you know what? I'm glad God didn't water down his laws, aren't you? Because even in the face of our fallen world, God gave us his perfect standard. And he said, honour thy father and thy mother. And we don't do it perfectly. None of us have done it perfectly here. But in those laws, parents are still called to be the image bearers of God to their children, you see. That's their job. That's their role. And as far below that mark that they may get, they still bear the image of God to their children. Their children learn that image from them first. They learn God's character from them first. Now, if you're saved this morning, the good news is that you've been given that perfect image again in your life. The Bible says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. And so what's that mean? That means that that image which was defaced, God has put his perfect nature within you. Yeah, the old still floating around, but the new is there. And it can't ever be destroyed. It can never be defaced. Because it's his character. And it's protected and shielded. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that seals us. Seals us. Fresh. It's going to live, we're going to be delivered fresh, fresher than any uh, Uber Eats meal <laughs> to God one day, the Bible says. That we are sealed unto the day of redemption, sealed perfectly. Sin cannot penetrate your new nature. You may struggle with your old, but your new cannot be corrupted. And that's where God wants us to keep on feeding. That's why the word of God is so important, because the word of God feeds that new nature. It grows stronger and stronger. And... The devil knows that if he takes away the word of God from people, then that 
new nature struggles to grow, struggles to overcome the old one. So if you're saved this morning, you have that perfect, perfectly new nature planted once again within you. He dwells within you and he's given you his holy nature. And though you still have your old one, you still may struggle, you still have sins that you, that you hate, his image still is within you. And so a godly mother can have a tremendously godly influence on her children. A mother who is saved can not only demonstrate motherly, nurturing, loving qualities, but can demonstrate the very nature of God to her children. And saying at this point of stewardship, I'd like to offer you a biblical definition of what a steward is. So that we understand what motherhood is, because motherhood, if you look at stewardship in the Bible, which is a really important subject, um, when you look at that, you'll understand what motherhood and how important it actually is. Biblical stewardship is managing or caring for what you have been given by the Lord in a way that demonstrates your appreciation to him and your desire to glorify him through it. So if someone gives you something really expensive and says, please take care of this, and you love that, you love that person, are you going to treat that thing very badly? No. If you love that person and you know that what he's given you or she's given you is really valuable to them, you'll take care of that thing, won't you? And so the Bible says that, the Bible teaches us that as stewards, and everyone's a steward here, male, female, wherever, wherever you may sit in your life, whatever past you've had, the Bible says you are now a steward. If, you're, if you've entered into a relationship with God, you are his steward. He has entrusted precious things to your care. And you are called to look after those things. And what more precious things than children? So mothers have an unbelievably important role to play. Because they've been entrusted with precious things not just to manage and care and look after, but to glorify God through. And this reflects so clearly what mothers do. They see their children as a gift from the Lord. And they, they even unsaved, do their utmost to care for their children and nurture. It's built into them. A mother's children become for her, her own Garden of Eden. That she tends and she keeps, and she protects, and she nurtures, and she waits to see the fruit come out. And then she rejoices with her husband when the children bear fruit. It's a beautiful picture when you think of it. So God has built into women his character, his nurturing aspect. And though not perfect, that loving nature is commonly seen, even those, even in those that aren't saved. And I speak this from experience. I've seen my mother, my grandmother, I've seen my aunt, my aunties, not saved in years that they weren't saved, who grew, who grew us up and showed us absolute love. I rejoice that they're saved now, but I even saw that love when they weren't. But a mother with the word of God is a very powerful being. A mother with the word of God as her foundation and that's saved, whew, that scares the devil a fair bit. 
They have a wonderful opportunity to point their children to their loving creator, which is the most important job that she can do. We see this in the life of a young pastor in the Bible called Timothy. And we see the influence that his mother and his grandmother had on him. Because, and it's, it's so important that the, the Apostle Paul decides to record it in the, in the Scriptures. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Mothers play an extremely important role in pointing their children to the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, When I call for remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, speaking of Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. So look at that. So it was passed on from the grandmother to the mother to Timothy. And what was Timothy? Timothy became the pastor at Ephesus. Mothers are a very important model for their children. Children learn to love. They learn to respect. They learn what grace means because every time a kid messes up, every time they're naughty and disobey, they learn what grace is because their mothers keep loving them. Children learn love and respect and love. And they learn to love and respect God. Mothers are very important teachers of the faith and the family. A mother's love lays the foundation for trust on which other relationships are built on as well. A godly mother points her children to Jesus. Turn to Luke chapter 18 with me. Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, 15. Now I want you to think, ask yourself a question, where do these children come from? Okay, as we read it, where do these children come from? Luke 18, 15. And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the, uh, them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, shall in no wise enter therein. Who do you think was bringing infants and kids to Jesus? It was the mothers. The mothers were bringing the infants to Jesus for him to touch them and bless them. That's on a picture of a, a mum leading her children to Christ. I don't know what it is. And even though God, the Bible says, is a father, a mother's love and compassion for her children reveals his character. I'll just read this passage from Isaiah 49 with you. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16 says, But Zion said, so this is Israel, said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. So they believed that because they were going through so much trials. And so Israel said, He's forgotten us doesn't care about us, doesn't love us anymore. And listen to the Lord's response. Listen to the Lord God's response. He says, can a woman forget her suck, sucking child? 
that you should not have compassion on the son of a womb? He says, yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. He says, and this is a beautiful, this is one of the most beautiful things. He says, behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. That mean, that verse means something special to us as well. Because there are eternal scars that exist in heaven. He bears those marks in his hands for our sake. Yeah, mother is super, super important. And we should honour them for who they are. Not just today, but every day. And this brings me back to that command, which we read right at the, right at the beginning. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honour thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, that it may live long in the earth. I always, always think, if you don't honour your parents, they're going to kill you. <laughs> Dad said, I brought you into this. My dad said, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. <laughs> I think it's something more than that, right? The Apostle Paul tells children, it's obviously right for children to obey their parents, obviously when they're home. The Bible says when a when a man, you know, when a, a man and woman get married, it says the man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. At that particular point, you're not obeying parents anymore, otherwise it's gonna be complicated life. <laughs> but obeying and honoring your honoring your parents never stops. And the church has been called to be the standard bearer for this command. We are called to be the examples to the world of what that actually means. To demonstrate to the world what it means to properly honour your mother and your father. And this command is so important to God that he actually says that the, one of the telltale signs of the last days of this world is going to be that command disregarded completely. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So he says there in 2 Timothy 3, 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, he says, turn away. The characteristics of these perilous last times, one of those indications is disobedience to parents, being unthankful, being lovers of self more than lovers of God. And I'm assuming lovers of parents as well. Self-love can lead to disobedience and dishonouring of parents. We've seen that in our culture. It tends to be a very common theme and thread where teenagers are encouraged to disobey. 
that the, their self-love is more important than their love for their parents. And obviously, honouring one's parents means not just obeying them, but it also means to treat them respectfully, to esteem them highly. And as Jesus, as Jesus describes in Matthew, we'll look at this passage just quickly now, he, it's called to look after them in their frail years. You see, we live in a very peculiar bubble in our, in our age where you retire and as you get older, you may have money, a superannuation and a pension to rely on. So the state looks after, can look after you if you have nothing, right? But that hasn't always been the case. For thousands of years, parents who had gotten old and weren't able to provide had to be looked after by their children. And so the Pharisees in Jesus' day had made a rule. It's a very handy rule for them because it said, this rule, particular rule said, if you want to devote yourself to the temple, if you want to devote yourself to our cause, what you do is you can give money, right, and you can give it to the church, even though you may not even have it, right? You can give it and, and, and pledge it to the temple, and that way we'll, we'll allow you to be part of our particular group over here, and you'll receive special training, and you'll become like one of us. So, so young men zealous to do things for God would take what they had and they'd give it to them, right? Heard that story before in a few places. Um, and there's a, a particular thing... And this is the exclusion that they're allowed to, to use. If they had old and frail parents that needed to be looked after because they couldn't look after themselves, you could say, sorry, mum and dad, but that money goes to God. That's more, that, that supersedes, God supersedes you, right? You know, Jesus called them out for that hypocrisy. Turn to Matthew 15, verse 3 with me. We're going to just about to wrap it up. Matthew 15, 3. Now, I'll give you the background for this passage so you understand why Jesus calls out this hypocrisy. Matthew 15, 3 says, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honour thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift, that is a gift of a temple, and by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honour not his father or his mother, he shall be free, free from the responsibility of looking after them. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. You see the hypocrisy? The Bible says, Honour thy father and thy mother, and you have the wherewithal to look after them, and you don't. You say, No, this is God's money. I can't, I can't use this for you. God says, That's hypocrisy. Because you're supposed to look after your father and your mother. In fact, the Bible says in, uh, in the New Testament, it says if you can look after your family and you fail to do so, you are worse than a, an infidel. 
You know, in the early church, one of the greatest or two of the greatest areas the church realized there was a big problem with and they needed to help was widows and orphans. Because oftentimes if you're a widow, you're an older woman without a husband, you couldn't even look after yourself. And if you didn't have family, the church said, no, we'll step in and look after you. And the same thing for orphans who had lost both their parents, who would look after them if they didn't have any immediate family? The church stepped in and said, no, we'll care. We'll provide the money that needs to look after you. But listen to Paul's words in 1 Timothy 5.3. He says, and this is the instruction he gives to Timothy. He says, honour widows that are widows indeed, right? Honour genuine widows. And he says in verse 4, but if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for God. In fact, he say, so Paul says, if you are, if she has children, well, it's their children's responsibility to look after them, right? But if she has no children, Paul even says the nephews should look after her if she has nephews. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Because we never, do you ever thought like that? That as a nephew, if, you, if you're a nephew, that you are to look after and care for your your auntie. But yet in those days, Paul says, that's your responsibility. So they were to honour. So honouring your parents doesn't just mean to, you know, to, you know, to worship the ground they walk on. It means to esteem them highly, to respect them. And if you're a child, to obey them. But it also means to care for them the way they cared for you when they're in need. We've seen that motherhood is very important, a very important form of stewardship, which brings glory to God. Her love and her care for her children can show a child what the nature of God is. She can also help to build them up in the faith and honouring them is a command which, is, which is, comes with a promise to children. It says that, they may, that, that, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. The promise of honouring your parents in the Lord is that your life will be long on the earth. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Mm. That your life will be long on the earth. There are obviously um, natural fruits which come from obeying your parents. You know, when mum says, don't put the knife in the PowerPoint over there. <laughs> obeying your parents is probably going to mean that you're going to live longer. Yeah? Yeah. When mum says, don't eat those rust, rusty nails, it's probably not a bad, you know. And that's when you think of it, it comes automatically with it. It's a fruit of obeying your parents because they've learned lessons in their life that they're more than willing to pass on to you because they love you. They don't want to get you fall in the same holes they've been in. And that's where love comes from. And that's why it's maybe well with you and that you may live long on the earth because part of it is the fruit of simply listening to wise counsel from someone who loves you. I mean, honestly, if you were to, if you were to go and get counsel normally, you trust your mum's opinion that whatever she told you, you might not even agree with her, but you know she's going to tell you from love. You understand? You know she's going to give it to you from the heart. Exactly. But the Bible also says, and God says, if you honour your parents, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with a long life. Because in honouring your parents, 
you can you ultimately honor him. Let me share something with you. John says, how can you say you love God if you can't love your brother? Does that make sense? And he says, if you hate your brother, how can you say you love God? Because how can you love someone that you can't see when you can't love the one that you can see? And I'll share something with you. If you cannot honour your parents, my question to you would be, how can you say you honour God? Can you really honour God when you cannot honour your parents? How can you honour the one that you can't see when you can't honour the ones that you can? So that's my encouragement to you today, my challenge to you today, to honour your parents and today specifically to honour your mum. Because God is watching. God rewards those people who are honouring their mums and their dads. Let's live lives that are honouring to him because we were all created for his glory. Honour your mum today and every day. God bless you. Thank you very much.